Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, what's going on, fam? Good to see you guys today. Thanks for being in the house, crashing the party. And uh, watching online, thanks for joining us today as we continue the series. Let me catch you up on the latest TikTok trends, okay? Uh, I don't know how many TikTokers we got on our hands here, but uh, there's something going along that, that, that fascinated me. It's a new game called He's a 10, But. Any TikTokers out here getting on this train? Here's how it works. Uh, two people will, will have a conversation and and when you describe someone, we're describing someone that physically speaking is a 10, right? On a scale of 1 to 10, this person is gorgeous. They are handsome, you know, dime piece, 10 out of 10, right? But there's something about this person that uh, is beyond what you see on the outside. And uh, that actually might be a deal breaker for some of you. Like they might be absolutely gorgeous, the most beautiful person you've ever seen, but there's a little, there's some baggage, okay? Like there's something that, that, that I wanna put on your radar and then ultimately you're gonna give me the final grade, like the final number on, on someone, just in case these other characteristics change your mind on how attractive you think this, this person really is. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a couple of examples and uh, just to get you to think through those. Um, so purpose of the game is to figure out, they start with a number, I'm going to give you all the details about this person, and then, and then you determine the final number. Number one, he's a 10, but he talks about his ex-girlfriend a lot. <laughs> Heard somebody say, oof. <laughs> Got to come up with a new number. She's a 10, but she's really clingy. I mean, like, really, really clingy. Is that a deal breaker? Does that make it maybe a 7.5 now at this point? Um... He's a nine and a half, ladies, be careful on this, okay? He's a nine and a half, but he's shorter than you are. Hmm. Just, can I just say, like, ladies, not everybody has to be six foot, okay? Like, <laughs> sometimes good things come in small packages, okay? And so don't hate on those that are, are under six foot. If you're watching online, I'm over six foot. And so like, uh, <laughs> and so, um, so I don't have to worry about this. Uh, but you know, some, some ladies are like, nah, he can't be shorter than I am. Like if he's not taller than I am, like it doesn't matter what he looks like, whatever else is, is going on. Uh, how about this, uh, fellas, she's a nine, but she gets jealous really easily. That deal breaker? Maybe, maybe a little bit lower. Um, here, here's one, he's, he's an eight and a half, uh, but he's 30 years old and he still lives in his parents' basement. You might want to slowly back away. <laughs> I'm going to pray. And if you're with that person, you get up and leave right now with all of our eyes closed and heads bowed. It actually works the other way too, because sometimes, sometimes a person on the outside is not everything that you want them to be physically. Like, you know, they're not, they're not the prettiest thing uh, to see, but they have a lot of other good traits that, that make a lower score actually go up. Uh, when you get to know him. How about this, ladies? He's a five, okay? Middle of the road, a uh, little chubby. He's a five, but he's a good listener. Loves to, loves to listen. Um, fellas, she's a six, but she's got a lot of money. <laughs> listen, 
Here's the deal. If you're rich, you don't have to be ugly for very long, okay? So fellas, that's what you need to remember. Like, if she's got money, she can pay for things to not make her a six anymore. So don't let that stop you, okay? I'm just saying what everybody else is thinking, okay? So, I mean, that, that might, might make a six and 9.5 all of a sudden. Uh, he's a four, but he's the funniest person you know. You know, year over year, single women are asked, what is the most attractive trait that a guy can have? And for like the past 15 years, humor has been number one. Like if you can make a girl laugh, this right here don't matter, okay? Like if they like to have fun around you and, and they laugh around you and they just, they just like being around you, then humor covers uh, a lot of things. Uh, here's the last one, fellas. She's a five, but she's an amazing cook. Come on now. Like you've heard it said, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach right there. So if she can cook, like, listen, we, like, we, let's, let's eat together. We can, we can both be ugly and, and fat together. If you can cook, then let's do it. Uh, here's the deal. Uh, with Samson, Samson was a 10. Uh, physically speaking, that's what the Bible tells us, uh, that Samson had the perfect bod. Uh, he was tall, dark, and handsome, had great hair, and uh, came from a great family. He was wealthy. He was the leader of the whole nation of Israel. So the power was there. I mean, this was a guy from the outside. He's absolutely a 10, the, the perfect guy that you could ever meet. Here's the problem, though. Samson had some character flaws. Uh, Samson had some red flags, even though he was very attractive and, and had all the money and came from a great family and a very prominent, great, strong leader, and everybody knew who Samson was. And that's actually what we've been talking about in this series. Uh, I don't know what you know about Samson. Maybe you just know him as the guy that has the long, great hair and, and it's really, really strong and he's somewhere in the Bible. Uh, but uh, Samson actually had some, some major character flaws. And uh, I, I think a lot of people, when they think of Samson, they might think of this great hero of the faith. But I think when you read the Bible and you really get down into the details, the authors uh, that, that wrote the book of Judges are letting us know, hey, there's some big red flag. Samson's a 10, but there are some things that you need to know about that. And so that's what this whole series is about. We're going through the character flaws of Samson. We're looking at his life Hopefully, we're going to learn from his mistakes. I've told you guys this. That's my favorite way to learn, right? If somebody else can make a mistake and I can learn the lesson from it and I don't have to go through the pain and the heartache and the shame and the difficulty, like, sign me up, right? So that's what I want to do. I want to show you these five major red flags, these major character flaws in the life of Samson uh, so that we can learn from his mistakes without wrecking our own lives and without ruining those, those things in our lives. Let, let, let's learn from the mistakes of those around us. That ought to be your favorite way to learn. Uh, so, so here's the backstory. Uh, Israel had 12 different judges uh, during this time period. It's where the, the book of the Bible, Judges, gets its name. This whole book highlights the 12 different judges or leaders that Israel had. God gave these leaders to Israel to bring them out of bondage. They were in slavery or under oppression from a specific group of people. And so God would bring these judges in and say, hey, you're going to deliver these people from the enemies. And some of these people were really righteous, godly, great leaders, and Israel thrived underneath their leadership. Some of these leaders, though, were like Samson. 
He was a 10 on the outside, but there were some things about his life that derailed the whole purpose that God had for him. Did you know that God has a purpose and a plan for your life? And that the decisions that you and I make day in and day out, if we don't address the serious character flaws that we have, that just like Samson, God can have a plan and a purpose for your life. But just like Samson, if you don't listen to him and do what he says, then just like Samson, you can wreck your life as well. You can totally miss what God has for you. Totally miss out on the plan and the blessings that he has. Well, that that was Samson. And last week, we talked about the big character flaw that he had. We went through his whole life, and this same flaw kept coming up again and again and again and again. And it was this, Samson refused to listen to God. God had a plan for him. God said, I'm going to show you what to do and when to do it and where to go and what not to do and what to avoid. And countless times in the story of Samson, God spoke to Samson and said, don't do that, don't go there, avoid that. No, other direction. Listen to me, Samson. You don't wanna go down that road. It leads to a bad spot. Pay attention. And all throughout Samson's story, every time God spoke to him, Samson heard it. Samson knew the right thing to do, but he chose to do the exact opposite. And he ended up sabotaging his whole life missed out on so much. Samson's story is a, is a story of what ifs. Boy, what if he could have controlled himself? What if he wouldn't have let his emotions get the best of him? What if he would have listened to God and actually did what, what God said? And despite so many different warning signs, so many different times God tried to stop him from ruining his life, Samson did not listen. He's a 10, but he doesn't listen to God. And he doesn't do what God told him to do. Again, just like that, God is trying to speak to us today, just like he's trying to speak to Samson. God speaks to us through his word. Maybe God speaks to you over these next few minutes as as we do this message and we open up God's word together. God speaks to us through prayers. He speaks to us through the people that we have around us. And like God has not stopped speaking today. The problem is many of us, like Samson, have stopped listening. And we've got the opportunity as God speaks to either listen to him and follow him and do what he says, or like Samson, we can turn in the other direction and completely ignore God and walk away from him. Samson struggled with the exact same things that we struggle with today, which I think is why it's so important for us to learn from the mistakes that, that he had. And so we, last week we talked about Samson's inability to, to listen to God and do what he says. This week, here's Samson's big major character flaw. He's a 10, but here's the, here's the red flag. Samson struggled with pride. Samson had one of the biggest egos of a person that you would ever, ever meet. And that's something that every single person in this room struggles with. Now, oftentimes, uh, when I hear the word pride, it's interesting. Uh, I am such a prideful person that when I think of pride, I immediately think of the person that I know that is most prideful. Like my name never comes to my mind. That is, that is how proudful I am. Some of you might have heard, it's like, oh, there's gonna be a sermon on pride. You know who I wish were here today? And you're looking around right now to see if they're here. And it's like, you know what? I am get- when does the podcast drop? Because as soon as it is, I'm gonna email this link to everyone in my office and be like, the Lord really spoke to me and said he needed, you needed to hear this message, right? We automatically think of everyone else. It's interesting uh, that it's so easy for us to see pride in other people 
And so hard for us to see if we have a problem with pride. Here's how I like to phrase it. Uh, Pride is like bad breath. Everyone knows you have it except you. And the prideful people, they want to get in your face and like, they, and like everybody else is like, ugh, that's, that's brutal. But they don't even know they have a problem with that. That's how sneaky pride is. So easy to see in other people and immediately think, no, no, I, I, don't, I don't struggle with that at all. So before you think this message is not for you, uh, this message is for you. Especially if you thought this message is not for me. The people that say, I don't really struggle with pride are the people that are blinded by their own pride the most. If you're a married couple, uh, this message is for you. When I think about uh, my wife and the relationship that we have, almost every argument, disagreement, struggle that we've ever had has come down to pride. I wanted my way or I didn't like how something happened and I responded poorly and my pride didn't allow me to say I'm sorry or my pride didn't allow me to forgive her when she asked for forgiveness from me. And so if you're married and you want to avoid difficulty in your marriage, this message is for you. If you're single, this message is for you because I can tell you the number one ugliest trait of an individual is pride. Like, if you're trying to attract someone in your life, put on humility and watch how people are naturally drawn towards you. But if you're arrogant and you've got an ego, I don't care how hot you are. I don't care how good looking you are. It does not matter. No one will want to be around you if you've got a problem with pride. Like, it's just a big turnoff. They're a 10, but they're so arrogant. It puts you back down to like a two or or a three. In, in most people's eyes. So this is, this is for, for us, every person in the room. Pride can wreck your marriage. Pride is an unattractive trait. This message, man, if you don't get this, you'll wreck every area of your life. The Bible actually tells us that. Uh, in Proverbs, it says, pride comes before your destruction. That means whatever area of your life that you want to see destroyed, your marriage, your family, your finances, your relationship with God, your relationship with others, the fast track to wrecking all of that is pride. If you start to have an ego and you start to be proud and prideful and and, and you start to be arrogant, all of those other things you will see will fall away. You'll have people dropping out of your lives like left and right. So let's learn from from Samson's life. Pride tears everything up. It helped wreck Samson's life. I don't want it to wreck yours. So let's talk about it this morning. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot these down. There are four areas, four lessons that we can learn about pride from the life of Samson. We're going to pick up uh, in the story in Judges chapter 15. Uh, Let me give you the context. Uh, In in Judges chapter 15, uh, Samson gets captured by the Philistines, right? They, They capture him. They put him in handcuffs. They didn't have metal handcuffs. And so the Bible tells us that they, they wrapped uh, rope around his hands and used them as, as shackles. They, they captured Samson, and now they're going to bring them in front of the army of the Philistines. He's going to stay in trial, and he's, he's going to, to get murdered right here in front of everybody. I mean, imagine two 
countries at war and, and like the president, the leader gets captured and brought to the other country. This is where Samson is at this point in the story. Judges chapter 15, starting in verse 14, it says, as Samson arrived at Lehi, all, all chained up and, and has the, 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 the wrappings around his hands and his feet, the Philistines came shouting out, in triumph. Look, we captured the strong man. Look, it's over. It is done. We finally got Samson. But the spirit of the Lord came powerfully among Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell away from his wrists. As soon as his hands are free, verse 15 says, and, and when, then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed a thousand Philistines with it. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, I piled them up in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. This isn't a story of Samson's bravery and strength. These three verses are a story of Samson's weakness. Because in that moment, Samson had an opportunity and unfortunately, when God spoke to him, his pride got the best of him. Did you notice what happened in the story? He says, as soon as the, the twine around his hand was broken, he bent down and he picked up what Scripture says was a, a jawbone of a donkey that was recently killed. Now, if you are here last week, you know that's a no-no for Samson. He took the vow, the Nazarite vow, and he made a promise to God that he would never touch anything that was dead. He'd never be around a dead corpse. In fact, the Nazarite vow said if your parents die, you can't even go to your own parents' funeral because it would make you unclean and that would be disobedient to God. And so here's Samson, the guy that took that vow to God, bends down and picked up, like not like an old dry bone of a donkey that, that died a long time ago, but a, a recently killed donkey. He bends down and touches something that he shouldn't. And then what does he do with it? Kills a thousand men with it. Now, if the rule is don't touch anything that's dead, chances are you probably don't want to kill anybody, much less a thousand people. And here we get the first point in how Samson, his pride ruined his life. Number one, jot this down. Here's, here's a big thing about pride. Pride will never admit that it's wrong. Your pride will never allow you to admit that you were wrong. What Samson did in these verses was, was wrong, but he never admits it. Not one time does Samson look up after killing these thousand people and say, oh God, what, what have I done? No, God, I, I know I took that vow that said I would not touch anything that was dead. And I just, God, man, in a lapse of judgment, I just bent down and, and I totally forgot that that was a jawbone of a dead dog. God, I'm sorry. N not one time did he say, God, man, I, yikes, man, I, I let my emotions get the best of me. I don't know what happened there because like I broke free and like maybe I should have just run away, but I don't know what happened. Like something snapped, incredible Hulk inside of me and I just killed a thousand men. And I know what the 10 commandments are. Like I know, God, that doesn't honor you. But not one time, does Samson admit that what he did was wrong? Not one time does he say, God, I'm so sorry. I, didn't even, I should have asked you what I should have done. I should have never been here, never gotten into this place in the first place. But because Samson was so proud, he couldn't admit it. The Bible says that when he got done, he just 
threw the bone back on the ground and went about with his day. Not one time thinking that what he had done was wrong. That's his pride. How about you? Uh, Do you struggle accepting fault for things? Are you always the one that is quick to pass the blame to someone else? Even if you know, even if it was just a really small percentage of the problem that you contributed to, you'd rather push it off on someone else. Another piece of marriage advice my dad gave me says, Nathan, anytime you're wrong, you need to accept the responsibility. Even if out of the problem, you're only 1% wrong, be the first one to step up and take ownership over the 1% that you contributed to the problem. Samson, not one time, admitted that he was wrong. His pride wouldn't allow him to do it. When's the last time you said, I'm sorry, to anybody? When's the last time you admitted that you were wrong? You know what happens when we're wrong? We just pretend like it never happened, right? <laughs> like we don't actively seek it out to say, hey, hey, I want to just give you a heads up, man. I wronged you. There was something I said. There was something that I did, and I need to apologize for it. Would you, would you forgive me? Uh, there's three phrases that, like if you're a married couple, you need to say these phrases all the time, like hold on to these phrases. Get really familiar with these phrases. Uh, I love you, I'm sorry, and I forgive you. Because there's going to be times where you need to apologize for things that you've done, but if you don't watch out, your pride will keep you from admitting that you were wrong. And there'll be other times where people do you wrong, and they'll ask for forgiveness, and your pride will keep you from giving what they ask for you'll want them to suffer a little bit longer. You'll want them to say, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to let you sit and stew in it a little bit because you need to learn your lesson instead of them saying, I'm sorry, and you immediately forgiving them for those things. See how pride can mess up everything? Every relationship you have can be wrecked by pride. Here's Samson, you ready? He's a 10, but he thinks he's always right. <laughs> like he's, he's never wrong. He thinks he knows everything and and he's, he's always right. Samson begins to brag in verse 17. He says, when he, when he finished his boasting, if you didn't think that Samson had a, had a pride problem, like the author even says it. So when he finished, like gloating about it, when he finished spiking the ball in the end zone, when he finished bragging and boasting and stroking his own ego, when he finished, he threw away the jawbone and the place was named Jawbone Hill. Here's the second thing about pride that we got to remember. Um, pride loves recognition. Pride never admits that it's wrong. And number two, pride loves recognition. How many times in those last two verses did you see where Samson said the word I? I killed all these men. I heaped these bodies up. I did all of this. I secured the victory. Like Samson is, this is a phrase that I use with my friends. Samson's a me monster. You ever met a me monster before? Like you're talking to someone and all they can talk about is themselves. All they care about is themselves. And like we get finished talking with them like, man, what a me monster. Did you guess that? Everything's me, 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 me. My house, my car, my family, my job, my finances, my skills, my accolades, what I've done in my life. Me, me, me. That's Samson. All he could talk about was look at me. Look at the bodies I've piled up. Look at how much I've done. Look at how strong I am. Look at what I have done. I, 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 me, me. See, that's what pride does to you. It makes your life all about you. It makes you want to have the credit for everything. 
brings all of the recognition to, to, to you. Uh, go to my house, uh, my parents' house, and we have all these VHS uh, tapes of my brother and I growing up. If you don't know what a VHS is, I'll explain it to you later. Um, but you get a VCR, Google it when you get home. And uh, my dad used to video my brother and I opening up Christmas presents and at the beach and on our birthday, like, you know, just typical family home movies. And uh, uh, if you go back and, and listen to some of those movies, like, I'm surprised uh, by, I don't know if it was because my brother and I had, like, had never seen a camcorder before. Like, my dad's got this big, like, cement block on his shoulder and he's, he's videotaping the family. And, uh, but, like, my brother and I were obsessed with making sure that we got on camera, right? And I mean, you, Christmas morning, it's like this. Hey, dad, look at me. Look at me ride this bike. Look at me go outside. And my brother and I were competitive. So, so my brother would be like, look at me. I can jump higher than Nathan. Look at me. I can run faster than Steven. Hey, dad, look at me. Look at my Legos. Look at this. Look over here. Dad, watch this. Watch me, dad. Film this, dad. Put it on camera. I mean, I guess that's cool for a five-year-old. But the problem is, I know a lot of adults that never got over that. They're still, hey, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at this. Watch this. Hey, Dad. Hey, everybody, look at me. Verse 17, if Samson had an iPhone, this would be a Facebook post right here. In fact, what Samson says in verse 17 mirrors most of the social media posts that people post today. Samson, no doubt, would have had his camera out in front of all the dead bodies, like, hey, what's up? It's a selfie. Like, comment, look at me, look what I did today, look at all the bodies, look at how strong I am. That's what our posts are all about, aren't they? Me, me, my life, my family, my vacation, my money, my job, my accomplishments, where I'm traveling, look at me. Please like, please follow, please subscribe, please comment, please share. Somebody write down there how impressed they are and how lucky that I am and how you wish you were me, 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 me. That's pride. Samson gets caught up in it here. All about himself. Samson is so proud. Look at what he does. He literally renames the location based on what he did here. He wanted every single person that walks by this hill to remember, oh, this is Jawbone Hill. Hey, mom and dad, what happened to you? Where did Jawbone Hill get his name? Well, son, thousands of years ago, a strong man named Samson picked up a wild animal's bone and killed a thousand men with it. Isn't he awesome? Isn't he strong? Samson was so arrogant, he wanted people to remember him thousands of years later for doing something he never should have done in the first place. How egotistical is this guy? How proud is he? How much of a struggle is it? And yet he's the only one that doesn't see it. Naming this place after one of his accomplishments. Unbelievable. He's a 10, but he'll take credit for everything. I mean, everything is, is all about him. Verse 18, uh, Samson was now very thirsty, I guess. If you kill a thousand people with a jawbone, you work up a thirst. He cried out to the Lord, you have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? Heads up, man, prideful people complain about everything. You ever notice that? 
Like they're down on everything. They're complaining about everything. When it's all about you and something doesn't go right, you complain about it. It's all about me and I'm thirsty, God. Woe is me. What, what am I going to, am I just going to thirst to death out here in the desert? Come on, God. Love God's response, man. This is so kind. Verse 19, so God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi. And Samson was revived as he drank. Then he named that place the spring of the one who cried out. And it is still in Lehi to this very day. Can you imagine how arrogant you have to be? Did you see that prayer that Samson prayed? Samson closes his eyes and bows his head. And in the presence of God, he looks up in God and says, Did you see what I just did. The the verse says that the people of God experienced a great victory. How? By the hands of your servant. I did this, God. I did this. It's all about me. God, aren't you glad that I'm the leader of your people? Aren't you glad I'm on your team? Aren't you glad you have me? How fortunate are you, God, that I am here right now? Man, where would you be without me? How arrogant do you have to be? And, and I love this about God, man, in his grace and mercy. Samson is making it all about me, 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 me. And he's thirsty. And even when Samson totally lost it, the Bible says that God caused water to come up out of the ground so that Samson could have something to drink so that he wouldn't be so thirsty. So surely at that point, when you pray and ask God for a drink of water and God gives you the drink of the water, surely at this point you will have learned your lesson. Surely you are not going to take credit for that. And the Bible says that Samson backed up and he said, I'm going to rename this place as well. And it says that I'm going to call it the spring of the God that provided. Nope. He said, this is the spring of the man that cried out. And the Bible says, to this day, that area is still known by that name. You can hire a tour guide to take you on a tour of the stories of the Bible. And some dude is going to stand at that spot and say, this is where Samson called the water out of the ground. Me, me, me. I got to have the recognition. It's all about me. I I can never admit that I was wrong. All of it is all about me. Samson never gave God credit, never gave God credit for his strength that he had. He says the power of the Lord came over Samson. Samson was able to break himself out of the handcuffs and not one time did he acknowledge that God is the one that gave him the strength to do it. God gave him the victory. God allowed him, give him everything that he has, but Samson just wants to take credit for it. Uh, Number three, jot this down. Pride never listens. Pride never listens. Why would you listen to somebody if you already knew that you were the smartest person in the room? Why would you listen to advice from others if, if you were convinced that you didn't need it? That was Samson. Samson never listened. Notice how Samson does all of the talking in these verses. Samson, the power of God comes over him. He breaks the chains. Not one time does he say, all right, God, what do you want me to do? God, what's the purpose for my life? God, what what do you want me to do with this opportunity that's in front of me right now? God, how would you have me handle these, these, these Philistines that are opposite of your people? God, what do you want my life to be all about? Samson, not one time asked that. He just assumed he knew. Oh, I know what I'm supposed to do. 
I don't need your help. God, I'm smarter than you. (laughs) I don't need to listen to anybody else. Pride and arrogance and ego will convince you that you already know it all. So you don't have to listen to anyone else. You don't need to join a community group. You already know more than all those people. You don't need to surround yourself with people that will challenge you and encourage you and build you up, but will also call you out when you're walking away from God because you're smarter than them. You're holier than them. That was Samson. He's like, I don't need to listen to God or my parents. Flashback, remember when his parents the first time tried to convince him, don't marry this Philistine girl, don't do it, run away. It's going to be bad. It's going to end poorly for you. She doesn't love God, don't do it. Did Samson listen? Nope, because he's too arrogant. You and I both know people like this. You plead with them. Like you, you try to help them. You try to explain to them, you don't want to do this. You're going to wreck your life. Like this is the wrong way. And eventually you walk away and you just say, they're just going to have to learn the hard way. They won't listen to anyone else. Like they're, they're so prideful and arrogant that you can't speak any sense into them. They're just going to have to fail on their own and maybe one day they'll come back to me and say, you were right. That, that was Samson. He's a 10, but he acts like he knows everything and he won't listen to anyone else in his life. Last verse might be the saddest verse in all of Samson's story. Verse 20, it says, Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. The Bible says that Samson was the leader for 20 years. And remember Samson's purpose in life? The Philistines were oppressing the people of Israel. And God sent Samson to these people during this time to free them from their bondage and slavery. And yet, the line that summarizes Samson's life is Samson ruled for 20 years and the entire time he was in charge, the Philistines dominated the land, dominated God's people. Samson failed at the one thing that God had called him to do. And for 20 years, everyone else struggled. But here's the problem. When you're a person that's prideful and arrogant, you don't care about other people. Last thing to jot down, pride doesn't care about others. Samson didn't care if the Israelites struggled. He had the girlfriend that he wanted. He was strong. He could kill a thousand people if he wanted to. It seemed like whatever he did, like there were no limits to it and and just throwing caution to the wind. And so many people have that attitude. Well, as long as I'm taken care of, as long as I'm comfortable, as long as I'm happy, as long as my family's good, like as long as I'm comfortable, then that's fine. I don't care about anybody else. You do you and I'll do me. And Samson only cared about himself to the point where all of God's people struggled and he totally missed out on what God had called him to do. But because he was so prideful, He didn't care. How about you, man? Do you care about anybody else except you? Or are you one of these people that think, as long as I'm good, then who cares about them? As long as I get what I want, then everybody else is on their own. They obviously didn't work as hard as I did. They obviously didn't do what I was willing to do. So that's you, and and this is me. That was the downfall Uh, Samson was a 10, but he only cared about himself. 
So where are you at in your life? Do me a favor. Um, I'm going to throw these four things uh, back on the screen. I, this is going to take some humility for you to do, and so I, I get it. Not everybody's going to want to do it. Uh, but would you just look at those four right now, and would you be willing to ask God just to show you which one of those four areas that you might need the help in the most? Would you be willing, like right now, just to pray and ask God, God, it is there some pride in my life that's keeping me from becoming the man or the woman that you've called me to be? Is there a blind spot that I'm not seeing? And like, would you just ask God to show you those things right now? And here, if you wanted to make it even more uncomfortable, try this. Sometime this week, sit down with someone that you love and respect and give them this list and say, hey, I don't want to ruin my life. I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. Are there any blind spots in my life that you're seeing when it comes to pride? Like any of these four areas in my life, like just call me out on it, man. I don't, I don't want to miss out. Man, I don't want to turn a blind eye. Like, do you see any of these things in my life that I need to apologize for? That, that, that I need to admit that I was wrong and, and I need to put my life on a different track? And find somebody that you love and trust and just, ask them, hey, how can I get better? How can I make sure that I'm not wrecking my life like Samson wrecked his? What do I need to focus on and have that humility to actually listen to others point out those things in your life so that you can learn from it and become better? If you want an example of what that life looks like, don't look at Samson, look at Jesus. Jesus was the opposite of pride. Jesus was humble. His whole life was about humility. Uh, The Bible says that Jesus did not come to this earth to be served, but he came to this earth to serve. Always thinking about others. Think about when he was around the table with his disciples the day before that he died. Jesus was the one that got up from the table, wrapped the towel around his waist, and began to wash the disciples' feet. An act of utter humility. The one person in the room that deserved to be served was the only one in the room that got up to serve everyone else. It was humility that allowed Jesus to leave the right hand of the Father and come to earth to live the life that you and I should have lived and to die the death that we should have died. He humbled himself, Scripture says, even to the point where he was on the cross. And it wasn't for his benefit. He didn't need a Savior. It was for yours. So who are you going to be? Are you going to be Samson? Or are you going to be Jesus? Are you going to let pride ruin your life? Or are you going to live a life in humility that makes an impact for others? Let's learn from his mistakes and be better as a result of it. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for preserving these stories, even when it makes seemingly godly people and leaders look bad. God, thanks for highlighting the struggles so that we could learn from them and hopefully avoid those same pains and shames and heartache and remorse in our life. Uh, God, so as we look at something like pride that is so easy to see in other people, but so hard to see in ourselves, God, I just pray that over these next few moments, you'd be very clear with us and how pride has crept into our lives and that we would be quick to respond in a way that would honor you. God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with the words that we have just heard. 
pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.